welcome to our second episode. I am I'm our- very, very excited for this uh, special President's Day uh, weekend edition of the podcast. Yes, it's a uh, it is a milestone. Most podcasts don't make it to episode two. Right. <laughs> well, I think we have a lot to be proud of. Yes, and um, in honor of President's Day, uh, when you called, I was actively trying to determine uh, whether or not my local government is being um, uh, subject to a coup and maybe uh, my borough is being taken over by a hostile force. It's um, it's unclear. What uh, uh, What's the potential hostile force? Well, it's a lot like Julius Caesar, <laughs> because... Uh, you're familiar with Julius Caesar. Like, yes, uh, how I, he, I mean, not, you, you know, personally or anything, but I, I got the general vibe. So, in our town, we have elections where everybody runs against everybody else, and the top three become commissioners. And so we have a, a board of commissioners of three people. You might call it a triumvirate. Um with the person getting the most votes being the mayor, the second most votes being the assistant mayor and or the deputy mayor, and the third most votes being commissioner. Gotcha. But they all they all get one vote, and you got a you know best of three wins, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how we run our town. So, at our last meeting earlier in the week, it was revealed based on the absence that one of our commissioners was missing, our mayor was actually missing due to an uh, undisclosed medical issue. He was on medical leave. So we all thought, oh, that's, you know, that's sad. I hope he's better. You know, we don't want to delve into his personal life. Um, and the two remaining commissioners, um, the uh, associate um or the the assistant mayor and the commissioner went on and everything was fine. Today we're reading in the paper that the um, the second largest vote getter, the assistant mayor, was uh, charged with assaulting a police officer um, while in the process of being served process in a divorce proceeding. Um, he like tried to drive away and hit the police officer with his side view mirror and got charged with assault and all sorts of bad stuff. So I think, you know, this is not the sort of thing that usually is okay. Um, we're, we're down to one commissioner. Um, you know, we set it up as three. One's on medical leave for an unknown ailment. One um, was charged with a fairly serious crime, um, leaving, uh, I believe, Julius Caesar to um, uh, run our town as an absolute dictator. And are you suggesting that perhaps Julius Caesar was responsible for uh, sneakily removing the other two from power? I'm uh, right out accusing, yes. Wow. I, I think... I, I I don't remember our name, but um, I think of no other explanation than, I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but, you know, it could be malfeasance. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the question on everybody's mind here is, um, is the medical issue that your mayor, um, you know, uh, is subject to, does it have anything to do with being assaulted by a citizen who was involved in a divorce proceeding? It has not been revealed, mm. and I, w- I was actively looking to see if there was a news story updates because, you know, I'd read about it a few days ago that he was on medical leave, and then I promptly forgot about it because I don't really care that much. <laughs> you know, I'm not nosy. You know, you're not, I, like, you know, nice. I hope he's, you're you're right, not writing hope... cards to his family or anything like that. No, I didn't get past, oh, too bad, I hope he's feeling better. Mm. But... But then with, you know, Commissioner 2 going down in a, uh, as best I understand, out-of-character assault on police, there's, there's no indication that he has previously 
assaulted anybody. Been caught you assaulting know. anybody, yeah. Right. I, I can imagine somebody, you know, slipped something into his drink, causing him to act out of um, character. I think maybe and, he uh, just forgot his little Robin mask, and he's been going around town assaulting people forever, but nobody could recognize him before because of the uh, rings around his eyes. Oh, well, that could be also. Yeah. So that's what that's what's new with me. What's new with you? What do you um, have to uh, tell our listening audience? Well, I'm just uh, very excited about President's Day. We had a conversation around the dinner table last night about um, which president my current facial hair, or which president's facial hair, I suppose, my current facial hair most resembles. Um, I'm not sure there was consensus. Um, one of my colleagues suggested that really uh, Abraham Lincoln in a sort of a shaggy beard phase might work. Uh, some some possibilities of Benjamin Harrison, you know. Hmm. You, uh, I came very close to getting a vanity license plate that read um, Clay 44 in, <laughs> um, in honor of my political support that I was going to throw behind uh, Henry Clay in his um, uh, presidential bid against... Um, James K. Polk of 1844. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe my license plate could push him over the edge. It was a very close election. Sure. What stopped and you? While, yeah. Um, uh, uh, inertia of, you know, just not doing it. And then uh, I kind of was feeling like, so any presidential candidate from 150 years ago, had some relatively obnoxious positions, even if it was only, you know, we should not immediately end slavery today. Right. <laughs> like, like the, it, it seems like, like in the Polk-Clay election, Polk was in favor of um, expanding slavery, and Clay was more for the status quo. So as someone who opposed slavery... Generally, you'd probably be on the Clay side because he was he he was not in favor of expanding slavery, but it it just seemed like it could give off the wrong vibe <laughs> that, I, that I was supporting. You know, that the candidate and the the issue with the eighteen forty four election, which I think is actually um, an important point, is he would have won be, because he. He would have won if he won New York State, and he lost New York State because of the third-party candidate who actively opposed slavery got more votes than Polk's margin of victory. Mm. So the the anti-slavery vote caused the pro-slavery candidate to win over the slavery-neutral candidate. Now, I don't know if the right choice there. I don't know if I'm anti-slavery in 1844, am I voting for the anti-slavery candidate and pushing James K. Polk into office as a result? Or am I strategically supporting Henry Clay because um, he would not expand slavery like Polk did? Um, well, also, there's our, the whole yeah. issue of uh, you know the Mexican-American War. It's not just expanding slavery, but you know, stealing a lot of territory. I guess I don't know Clay's position on that. Well, yeah, Clay was uh, in the no land position. He did not want to take any land. Ooh. James K. Polk did want to take the land. And that was actually his his main campaign point, was no land taken from Mexico in the Mexican War. So while um, my specific position is that uh, Henry Clay would have been a better choice than James K. Polk in 1844. Um, that might not have 100% come across in a Clay 44 vanity license plate. So you would have needed a much larger license plate to really get your point across. I would need like an hour-long podcast <laughs> every week to fully get my opinion across. <laughs> Well, that's, it, it that's would, um, potentially, yeah. you're potentially in luck, depending on how frequently we record this podcast. 
Well, it's not the Henry Clay podcast. You know that that's my uh, that would be my side gig. Right, this is my and, my main uh, podcast here. That brings me to an important point, which is uh, today's agenda, which. Uh, I assume we'll be mostly We have an ignoring. agenda? Right. <laughs> no the, one notified me that we had an agenda. I am, I am notifying you right now that we uh, have a loose possibility of an agenda. I mean, I think you'd agree that we're planning to read at least the second sentence of our, of our work. Um, all I'm willing to agree to <laughs> is that we discussed Henry Clay... 1944 campaign. I see. Were you, in fact, do you have a new vehicle, or did you have another reason to be uh, considering a vanity license plate? Um, no, this was several years ago. Mm. Um, when, and though, you can get a vanity license plate, I think, at any time, not just when you're getting a new car. Sure. Um, but, you know, but, inertia-wise... <laughs> Right. It's like, oh, it's a lovely day outside. What do you want to do? Hey, let's get a vanity license plate uh, declaring our support in the uh, 1844 election, um, even though we don't need a new license plate, is something I often say. It's true. I believe the conversation started with, what do you want for Father's Day? And my (laughs) my response was... Hey, maybe you have any license plate that says Clay 44. I see. Clay 44 <laughs> seems like something that um, has taken on a new meaning. And, like, if we were hipper and younger, we would know that it secretly means that uh, you support, I don't know, something involving pipes. We were talking about, we were talking about whether or not Clay 44 would be right before Colt 45 in some right. sort of... <laughs> numerical rankings of things that start the letter C followed by a number. What else would be on that list? Um, Calhoun 46, I guess. <laughs> Did John C. John C. Calhoun ran for president at some point. And he, he ran for, uh, you know, uh, Congress many times, right? Yes. Uh, he was... He was one of the big, uh, the big three with uh, Daniel Webster mm. and Henry Clay and John C. Calhoun. You know, I didn't they expect the, were... that our um, podcast, in which we would discuss items that have recently entered the public domain, would focus so heavily on nineteenth uh, century the, the American Ameri- politics, specifically the American Whig Party. <laughs> well, I mean uh, the. I mean, when we discuss the compromise of 1820 and of 1850, um, we didn't specifically talk about the Whig Party. It was implied heavily. I see. Heavily Because implied. who, well, who was compromising? The, uh, in 1850, the Democrats or the Whigs were compromising. I'm saying I think the country as a whole was compromising. Well, yes, that, but the specific people who were compromising were Henry Clay, the Whig, and the various Democratic uh, leaders. And then that brings the me to another item on my agenda, which is uh, what I... How I, come I don't get an agenda? You have the agenda, <laughs> and you don't share the agenda. You could just, you know, randomly say, oh, yeah, that's on my agenda. I could. That's true. <laughs> you could have an agenda. Nothing's stopping you from having an agenda. What, are you suggesting that we prepare for this? Um, oh, if, we, if we were prepared, we would have to break the agenda. Because I'm, I walked into the kitchen because we were having uh, problems with the audio in the living room. And what do I see but my middle daughter making jalapeno poppers um, and recording herself with a, her phone on a tripod as she does it. Wow. See, that's professional. I think she might be making, like, her own YouTube channel of, like, how to make a jalapeno popper. Is she going to be competition for us in the media marketplace? Uh, we are no competition for her. Uh, if see. there, If there was a competition, we would lose. So mm. I, I assume not. Um, it, I was not expected to see this when I walked in. But <laughs> Do something against jalapeno life. poppers? Well, I knew she was going 
to the store to get ingredients for jalapeno poppers. But I did not know that she had actually proceeded to make the jalapeno poppers. Mm. I mean, who could have predicted that? Um, it, it seemed like a, it seemed like step one of a process. I mean, you know, we were talking about making a podcast for like months before it actually happened. Sure. I expected the jalapeno poppers to be a similar, not like within an hour process. <laughs> well, you know, not everybody uh, has our sort of desultory approach to accomplishing things. Mm. So, uh, since you have an agenda, what's on it? Well, uh, right now, it's the corrections segment, where we pick out uh, selected uh, false things that we asserted last time and uh, point them out. Um, oh, did, did, we, did we make a lot of mistakes? <laughs> I know, it's shocking to, to consider, but in fact, we did... Uh, make a couple of errors. Now, you corrected me during the podcast itself when I confused uh, the compromises of 1820 and 1850, so that wouldn't have to be uh-huh. in our, our, um, our correction segment. However, you asserted that Nebraska was uh, Bruce Springsteen's second or perhaps third album. I've done some research. It's his sixth album. His sixth, oh no. Uh, yeah. So Oh I'm, no. I mean I, I sure wouldn't want uh our fan base to have a totally mistaken um you know sense of where Nebraska some- falls in the Springsteen discography. And what if somebody had acted upon that incorrect information? Uh, they would have uh Acted on incorrect information. I don't know. Uh, when you say acted on, what in this scenario is the person doing? Just for example. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they had decided that they were going to purchase all of Bruce Springsteen's albums chronologically. Sure. And, and then decided to base that <laughs> list of chronology based solely on what I said. Right. And when and the person, that, so after the person, um, what's the person's name? Um, Philip. After Philip had purchased Springsteen's first album, uh, which I assume he identified through some other means than our podcast, uh, how, well, I, I mean, you, I mean, you didn't I don't say know it was his second, you said second or third, right? So, so does he just, well, no, I, I believe what I actually said was that, Welcome to Asbury Park and Nebraska were his first two albums. But that is, uh, and that they're often sold together as a double album. Mm, But obviously I'm misremembering. I'm obviously misremembering, (laughs) and maybe Welcome to Asbury Park is often sold as a double album with something else. Whatever his actual first or second album. Uh, You don't think that they just happily packaged... Welcome to Asbury Park, along with his sixth album? Um, that's also possible, but <laughs> my, my recollection was that his first two albums were sold together. Mm. Well, and, uh, uh, so hopefully um, our uh, Philip did, uh, did not get very far in his plan before listening to this second episode of our podcast. Where well, well he, he would have, I guess... He would have acted on it by buying, in fact, that double album, mm. which would be impressive if it doesn't exist. Well, maybe he just went searching for it and got really frustrated when all he could find was like, you know, Welcome to Raspberry Park and, uh, you know, the Bruce Springsteen Knee Street Band or, or I don't know, Born in the USA um, or uh, uh, The Darkness um. of the Edge of Town. It uh, might have been the good, the bad, and the East Street Shuffle. Mm, right, that's what I that's what I was going for when I said the East mm-hmm. Street. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. So, so did, is there are there any other corrections we have to make? Well, there was a correction um, of something I said that I wanted to highlight, but uh, I've forgotten what it is. Maybe sometime during this podcast. Um, I'll think of it randomly and interrupt and say, oh, I know what it was, without any context. But just to give it some context in advance, uh, it's, the, uh, it's the thing that I ha- wanted to highlight that I said incorrectly 
uh, in last episode. Uh, and in any case, um, in our third podcast, we can do a corrections uh, segment on our second podcast by saying that we incorrectly omitted a correction of our first podcast. <laughs> Pretty soon it'll just be a corrections podcast where we, we correct our correction from the first podcast, we correct our correction of the first podcast from the second podcast, and so on. And we well, won't have no, time for anything else. I mean, eventually we'll realize that Nebraska was Bruce Springsteen's second album, and then we have to correct this correction sequence when I, it turns out we were actually right to begin with. Sure. I mean, I don't think I don't think we should suggest that we're correcting every false thing that we said in a previous episode. I mean, that sounds like a lot of work. I I think even more deeply, um, corrections imply truth values to begin with. Sure. And I, I want to kind of uh, push back on that in that <laughs> I'm I'm doing no research for these podcast episodes and. I'm largely just talking off the top of my head. And will therefore say things incorrectly because um, I'm not paying close enough attention to the details or researching before I speak. I mean, Henry Clay could have beaten James K. Polk for all I know. (laughs) I didn't Google that here. I mean, you sounded confident. I know that Polk Polk won in some years. He might have been someone I made up. I could have just made James K. Polk up right now. No, if anything, you got him off of that They Might Be Giants song. Birdhouse in My Soul? No, the song about James K. Polk. Are you not familiar with that? Um, I think it might be entitled... not Constantinople? <laughs> I think it might be entitled James K. Polk. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to do any research about that. The other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, um, you know, any future plans we have for our podcast, um, you know, things that, that seem to go well or, or, or things that we want to omit. And uh, mm-hmm. in particular, I thought uh, having a guest was an excellent feature of uh, our previous episode, and we should, you know, make some effort or at least not uh-huh. prevent guests from coming on our show in the future. Well, we could have the same guest explain how to make jalapeno poppers at this, you know, in this episode because it's happening right now. Right now, maybe I am sitting. Yeah, could we get yeah. like a, a, just a brief some a uh, brief like look in on how the jalapeno popper preparing is going? Proceeding. Um, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna put us on speaker. All right. And uh, okay, we're. We're now on speakerphone. Hello. Hi, guest. Hello. And I'm looking at, um, I guess, quartered jalapenos with cheese and eggs. And what are you actively doing at the moment? I am putting, I'm rolling them in eggs and then rolling that whole thing in breadcrumbs. And are the uh, are the quarter jalapenos, are they... Do they have their seeds and ribs removed? Of course. Of course. I, I have replaced the seeds and uh, inside bits and replaced them with cheese and cream cheese and other types of pepper. Ooh, I see. Um, but no cooking has taken place yet. I have preheated the oven. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so generally, uh, the process seems to be going well? Yeah, um, I had this moment where I think the jalapenos I bought were too big, so I ran out and had to make a little more of the mix. Mm. But now I have a little ball extra. I might just eat it loose. Is uh, is this your recipe? No, it's from the back of a uh, bag of Cabot uh, four cheese Mexican. All right. And, and have you made this recipe before? No. Okay. Um, any tips for uh, people who might want to follow in your footsteps? Uh, there's a lot more pressure on you if you record yourself while you're doing it. <laughs> Good to know. Are you recording yourself being recorded by this podcast? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow, that's really we're, exciting. We're on, like, 35 minutes. I thought she was going to, like, take a 10-second clip and put it on Instagram or something. I'm going to edit it. 
you're, you're going to edit it down to what? Like Maybe, well, an Instagram video has to be less than 60 seconds. Oh. So we're going to edit out the most boring 34 minutes, at least. <laughs> I think it's just going to be um, the portion in which the disembodied voice interviews her for a separate podcast. Almost um, definitely. Your podcast will be plugged. <laughs> That's very exciting. Well, um, I think maybe uh, we'll let you go, and uh, we'll check back in later to see uh, you know, when, when progress has occurred. Thank you very much. All right, I'm taking you off now. You're now off speaker. The jalapeno poppers are popping along. Um, should we uh, read another sentence of the book? Well, um, is there anything, you know, since we've, I think, pretty much covered my agenda, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up uh, before we go straight to the meat of uh, the matter? Um, y- yes, because I... I came to a startling realization oh that gosh. has has never before been um, known in the history of the world, as far as I know. Realizated? Um, uh, w- Willa Cather's middle name is Seibert. Excuse me? <laughs> How do you spell Seibert? S-I-B-E-R-T. Oh. Possibly Sibert. Sibert. Cyber, it could. I believe you know cyber, like cyberspace, might be come from Willa Cybert Cather. <laughs> what what are the uh, what percentage chance would you put on that possibility? Ninety eight. I ninety eight percent likelihood. I think uh, I think it's more related to the famous you know. Um, character Sesame Street character who is often sighing uh, from the mm-hmm. you know people watch Sesame Street and say Cybert and uh, and then they go back in time and have a child and they give uh, they give it the middle name Sibert. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, also, uh, so my research included googling Willa Cather and like. Looking at the first sentence, she's exactly 100 years older than we are. Wow. That's she was born in 1873. Wow. And, I feel, um, uh, you know, really like a, like a connection, you know? Like she's our, she's our thingy, pretty much. Right. I mean, and so... Here's the scary part. Uh-huh. If we assume that we live exactly as long as Willa Cather does, okay. I can tell you exactly when we're going to die. <laughs> How old? Do I want to know? Did she die, like, terribly young? Not terribly, no. She uh, um, she lived to the ripe old age of um, uh, 74. Oh, right. 73, so maybe. Yeah, so she lived until 1947. Hmm. So if we lived exactly as long as Willa Cather did mm-hmm. to the year, mm-hmm. we would die in 2047. Wow, those are some sweet math skills you've got there. <laughs> now, you know, it's entirely possible that one or possibly both of us could live longer or shorter amount of time <laughs> than Willa Cather. But a, a very slight chance. Like less I mean, possible yeah. than that, you know, cyber is related to cyberspace. Yeah, like ninety-seven yeah, percent. Yeah. <laughs> that, w- but uh, yeah. So that's that's what I uh, that's what I got. What did she die of? Um, I. Uh, I literally read the first sentence of her. <laughs> because uh, I think if we, um, if we could just avoid, like, let's just say, for example, that she got run over by a migrating pack of snapper turtles, snapping turtles, snapper, mm-hmm. snapping, then we could just try to avoid um, migratory snapping turtle, um, you know, paths, routes, migration routes, I don't and know. we'd probably be okay. I, now, just scanning down, 
I I see this sentence because uh, it's where my cursor stopped. Catherine read widely, having med fr- made friends with a Jewish couple. <laughs> uh, apparently, the. Uh, those with only Gentile friends were not as widely read, as widely read as uh, Willa Cather, who um, made friends with the Weiners, or possibly the Wieners. A Jewish couple. <laughs> what you doing? You going out to the horse races like everybody else? Why no? We were going to sit at home and read. What's mm. that you say? <laughs> Is this one of those do things? And then probably what happened was that the whiners, or perhaps the wieners, ran out of uh, reading material. And so uh, Willa Sibber uh, decided that uh, she could step up to the plate. And that's how she became a famous author. Um, I guess I got to read this more closely because I think she became a doctor. I don't know. Those are very uh, similar. No. Um, here, I'm going to read you this whole paragraph because somebody became, I don't know. Mary Cather had six more children after Willa. Roscoe, Douglas, Jessica, James, John, and Elsie. Cather, I believe this, maybe this is Mary, was closer to her brothers than, oh, Willa, was closer to her brothers than her sisters, whom, according to biographer Her- Hermione Lee, she seems not to have liked very much. So, so Willa liked her brother's brother. Why yeah. is this relevant? Uh, um, because then it goes, Cather read wi- widely, having made friends with a Jewish couple, the Wieners, <laughs> who, off- who offered her free access to their extensive libraries. She made house calls with a local physician, Dr. Robert Damerol, and decided to become a doctor. Wow, so was, she seems maybe- heavily influenced by the people that she ran into. Like, if, right. if she had, I don't know, chatted up the milkman one morning, who knows what would have happened. I'm, I, I don't, this is why I don't like reading Wikipedia. I was just trying to figure out, honestly, I was just trying to figure out whether this was written before or after my Aunt Nia. And, <laughs> and here I am finding out that she be, learned, she read because she befriended a Jewish couple. And she became a doctor because she started following around the doctor. And uh, I, I hope these uh, the amount of reading you just did out loud on our podcast constitutes uh, a fair use of that material. Um, I don't even know what that means. It's, it's Wikipedia. It's, it might not even be true. We could be uh, <laughs> this was... could be part of our retractions. Of, you know, she actually learned how to read from a Muslim. You know, for all I know. <laughs> Well, okay, if that so, turns out to be the case, we will def and we find out about it. We will definitely bring that up on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So Catherine died of a cerebral hemorrhage at the age of seventy-three. Um, I believe there's actually a if you hover over cerebral hemorrhage, you get a picture of a little smiley face brain getting cerebrally hemorrhaged. <laughs> I think. Um, and. So all we have to do is when we're 73 years old in 2047, avoid places where cerebral hemorrhages happen. <laughs> do, can, and like, if, we, uh, if we don't think very hard, would that help? Uh, I'm planning to not think for the entire year of 2047. <laughs> I think that's wise, yeah. Mm. All right, well, we better get some thinking done now, and maybe we should move on to our second sentence. Should we review the first sentence? Uh, Yeah, because I don't remember anything. Well, let's not not recite the first sentence, but, you know, um, to to just summarize what we've learned so far, uh, a while back, there was this very hospitable house, like, along the railway line or something. Right. Uh, I thought maybe instead of reading it out loud, word for word, we should mumble it under our breath. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thirty four years ago, one of the great towns. Oh my Denver. 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 Denver.
Yeah, that, that's how the Jewish couple, the Wieners, would read <laughs> when they were at synagogues. Sure. Um, uh, my, uh, my oldest daughter is now home as well. She is standing nearby listening to us. All right, sentence number two. I'm ready. I'm just going to dive right in and read it. Excellent. Okay. Well known, that is to say, to the railroad aristocracy of the time, Men who had to do with the railroad itself or with one of the, quote, land companies that were its byproducts. Now, when you said... I have no idea what that meant. When you said, quote, land companies, did you also make the air quote uh, symbol with your hand? Um, I did not. And Mm. I didn't say end quote because I thought it was clear from my voice that only land companies was in... Um, quotation marks. Right. I actually don't think you should have said quote at all. You should have just said land companies. So mm. we would have known. In <laughs> fact, if you could perform that sentence again without the word quote, I'd appreciate it. Well, that would be good because I don't really understand what I read. Okay. So I'm going to get back to the beginning. Well known, that is to say, to the railroad aristocracy at the time, men who had to do with the railroad itself or with one of the land companies, which were its byproducts. Oh, I see. So this um, hospitable town, I'm sorry, this hospitable house, it's not something that just like every Joe Bob who takes a ride on the Burlington Railroad knows about. This is, Mm. you know, for the in crowd. All right, so, so here's the problem. I think this is a sentence fragment. Wow. I don't think this is a complete oh. sentence. That's because yeah, it's true. I'm not going to yeah, argue. It be, well, because it's, in the first one, it sentence is talking about how the house is well known. Yeah. And then sentence two begins, well known as to say the railroad aristocracy of the time, semicolon. But that's not a complete sentence. The nobody's, whole purpose of the nobody's semicolon. Nobody's suggesting it is a complete grammatical sentence. It's just for the convenience of uh, determining how far to read, it was separated from what was before and after by period. Well, I, I understand why we started reading there. Mm. I, I'm judging Willa Cather for writing a sentence fragment. Why? What's wrong with writing a sentence fragment? Um, it is not a complete sentence. Yeah, but we and understood what it was saying. Well, I didn't because I didn't know what was well known because I assumed it would be in that same sentence. I had, it was only later in the second reading that I could go, okay, well known's referring to something in the first sentence. Well, uh, I mean, uh, you know. typically you would read both the first sentence of a work and the second sentence together at more or less you know, the same time uh, in series, that is, not in parallel. And so I think it's fair for her to have assumed that you would recall what well-known was referring to uh, because you just read it a second before rather than, you know, a week and a half before. I, I guess that's fair. Although I, uh, I still prefer complete sentences unless there's a reason to separate them. Well, I mean, we can discuss the reason. I think it's clear here. She wanted to um, give us the idea, tell us about the house and the railroad and the town and the grayness um, before we got on to the fact that really you had to be like a member, you had to be a member of the club really to know how incredibly hospitable this house was. Right. Yeah, it was. So so first we're just saying that it's well known. But now we're going to say, oh, okay, so it's well-known, but it's not really well-known. It's not <laughs> like somebody just living in Omaha, you know, reading a book with the Jew would know about. <laughs> well, I don't know. Would know about it. I'm not sure that it's only well-known by the railroad people, but just among the railroad people, the only people who know are the aristocracy. The, the railroad plebes aren't going to know. I don't know about the people who live, you know, nearby. We're not told one way or another about them. All right. So I wish I knew whether uh, the Burlington Railroad was a freight railroad or a passenger railroad. I guess it's probably a freight railroad, right? Like, 
Yeah, I mean, prob- back then, the the railroads were built for commerce. The the commercial stuff, I mean, the passenger stuff was an afterthought. I mean, even today, there's you, there's barely a profitable um, passenger railroad. The only one that is in any way uh, self-sufficient is, I believe, the Northeast Extension uh, Sella um, line from Washington to Boston. Anywhere else, your train is not going to be profitable. What if you had a really cool name like a Cannonball or something for your train? Um, that I think if the name Burlington isn't in it, they don't even know it's a train. <laughs> That's right. Then it's just a carriage, a swift carriage. Mm-hmm. So, let, uh, why is, uh, can I ask, land companies in quotes? Well, here's my because, theory. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I like my first thought is they're not really land companies. So we're just calling them that. <laughs> sure, right. Well, it could be that uh, quotes, um, you know, are used in other than an ironic fashion. I guess. I mean, when you know, so you can um, whip out your confident-sounding knowledge of American history here. But uh, didn't the railroads get like a ton of land? Um, given to them by, essentially by the federal government uh, on either side of the railroad track they were supposed to lay down, like all right. the it's, universities. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, the way it worked was the, the the government wanted the railroads, and the railroad companies wanted to make them, but nobody wanted to actually use money, and they didn't want to <laughs> they didn't want to tax people, but they also didn't want to spend their own money because they weren't going to be profitable, and there were positive externalities to having railroads. Mm -hmm. So the result was way too many railroads got built. The ones that were um, built tended to not be profitable, but the way they would do it is they would give the railroads and their associated land companies the strip of land, including both the land to lay the track and a chunk of land on either side of it in long rows. And then they could sell the land what they, once they laid down the track and like, hey, we got some good land here. It's convenient. It's near a railroad. And then you can make money by selling that land. Right. So I'm thinking that in this case, land companies is in quotation marks because it's perhaps an unfamiliar term to folks. And it refers to the entities selling that, you know, those strips uh, alongside mm-hmm. the tracks. Now, are unfamiliar people reading it in 1923? Or are unfamiliar people in 1888 what is happening? Uh, in 1923. Okay. I mean, this is, um, yeah. The, 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 the book reading experience was occurring in 1923. Right. Let's see. The, just, and the you know, Jews, without, like, how well did the Jews know about the land companies, you know? Yeah, I, I assume that, you know, there might have been some Jews maybe even involved in the land company. That's true. I don't know. At least they would be accused of it. That's right. Whether they did or not. <laughs> so if you're going to be accused of it, you might as well do it. So, I mean, without reading ahead, because I know that's against the rules, I can see even through squinted eyes that there are other, like, quotes, mm-hmm. like wor- phrases and quotes that don't appear to be, uh, you know, dialogue later right. on in the paragraph. So maybe we can come back to this conversation after we've looked at all the other things that are in quotes and see if we can figure out um, what why land companies in quote well do we want to okay. read a little bit more now or are we are we really going to stick to uh, just a single sentence here well no i i, I don't think uh, sticking to a single sentence would imply that we had a plan right, um, right. <laughs> my, my thought was i we would talk about this sentence too until we were done talking about it All right. and uh then we'd move on to sentence three so i'm just as my middle child often says, and I don't know why, um, 
let's put a pin in that. <laughs> um, all right. And then uh, pin put. And then we, oh. yeah. So it, is there anything else we want to say? Um, um, yeah, I want to note that um, the implication here. Or, or maybe not the implication, but the expressly made point here is that um, the railroad aristocracy consists of both people who had to do with the railroad and people who had to do with the land companies. Um, I believe that is accurate. Yeah. And I, I, I want to expand upon my early grammatical point. Please. Ne- neither of the... Um, <laughs> Clauses on the either side of the semicolon are independent clauses. Is an independent clause, right? I mean, if we're being right. grammatical. Right. It, neither is an independent clause. And does that neither, mean if there neither if neither is an independent clause, does that mean that a semicolon is inappropriate there? Um. Now, it, understanding that. Um, Willa Cather was writing before uh, Strunk and White's Elements of Style, <laughs> and a lot of stuff in Strunk and White's Elements of Style were made up literally by Strunk or White and then became the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's my understanding, in fact, that if you go through like Charles Dickens and um, you know Jane Austen and all those people back then, not a single one of them says none is. Oh, oh. They, 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 they all say none are. But then Strunk and White came along and said the grammatically correct thing is none is. And everyone said, okay, it's, it's in the book. We'll do it. And after that, they all said none is. But Charles Dickens never said none is. They would say none of us are here. I mean, I, and, I kind of feel like this is... Uh... Like the split infinitive thing, where like some whoever grammarians, at least the story I heard was that they, you know, were really into Latin, and in Latin, infinitives are just one word, so you couldn't split them, so they made this dumb rule about no splitting infinitives. But I want to say, mm-hmm. I uh, I like to to joyfully split infinitives. That's all. I I have no problems. Um... Uh, boldly going or anything like that. But you didn't answer uh, the question th- about the semicolon. My, I believe that semicolons are only supposed to be used to join two independent clauses in or, that context. In that context, sure. So would you put um, like a, an M dash there or something? Um. Yeah, I'd use an M dash. Uh, a, a colon would be appropriate. Oh, yeah, also. I'm not really confident in my colon use. Or a comma. Uh, I, I think uh, there are a number of non semicolon things. You know, maybe, uh, you know, we could do one of those um, open. Uh, uh, or a uh, less than sign and a uh, three to make a heart. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 might be a fun way to do that. Um, um, this brings I, up an important, an important, an important point that I feel that you might have some sympathy for me on. Um, nobody else has expressed such sympathy, so I might be misplaced in this confidence, but. Uh, Emoji really feels like a plural to me, and I'd like to spread the habit of um, referring to a single one of those as an emojum. No. (laughs) I mean, I I was with you Mm -hmm. up until emojum, because... (laughs) Emoji, if we're assuming a Latin origin, would be the plural of emojis. Emojum's plural would be emoja. With an A at the end. Mm. Like medium media. Mm. But emojum sounds... I don't... Emojis. Wait, is that what you said? Emojis? Yes. I'm not feeling emojis. Maybe well, we should replace it with emojum and emoja. 
and then just get rid of emoji altogether. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that, that would be fine. I would have that, but then you're stuck with, uh, like, I mean, you might as well not use the emoji at all. You could call it, you know, little symboly thingies. <laughs> Uh, speaking of little symbol thingies, um, do you think it's worth checking in on the jalapeno poppers? Um, I don't think we're quite at the point where we need a second check-in, but absolutely, we will do that soon. Okay. Um, the, uh, you, you know, you may not recall, but I recall. Do you recall what um, my wedding gift was from you? No. No. Uh, can I get a Would hint? it help? It was a joint gift with um, uh, others. Oh, yeah. I, I do remember now. Yes. It was uh, the uh, Oxford English Dictionary. Yes. In the complete, unabridged, little mini print Oxford English Dictionary, it says very clearly in very, very tiny letters that the plural of octopus is either octopuses or octopodes. Yes. And it, it explicitly <laughs> says octopi is wrong. Like it, doesn't just, it doesn't just omit it. It, li- it literally says octopi is not the correct plural of octopus because octopus is Greek. Um, you can pluralize it in the American way because we're Americans by saying octopuses, or you could also properly pluralize it in the Greek way, which would be octopodes. But there's no reason to pluralize it in the Latin way of octopi. I, the I newer versions—the mm, yeah. uh, newer versions of the Oxford English Dictionary—don't say that anymore. Right. I understood it, that like it was more accepting of uh, octopi. It, it is now, but I have, like, I could, you know, send you a picture where it literally says <laughs> you can't use octopi. And and then somebody else, like, had a uh, Oxford English Dictionary, and theirs didn't say that because it was newer than mine. Wow. We're so old that our Oxford English <laughs> Dictionaries are out of date. Yes. So, so yes, emojis, emoji, or emoja, emoja, or emoji. Um, I mean, emoji, emojis is American. That's mm. you know, you could do that. All right. Um, the emoja uh, means something in Swahili. I don't. I don't remember what. Wait, um, you know this because of your. Um... The back in high school when you took two years of Swahili, or no, because I know this because the um, uh, the African American Pride um, Club in my high school was called Amojasasa, which um, meant something in Swahili. Um, I'm I'm googling it. And we'll see that I'm wrong. Oh, maybe and this could will... be another recurring segment, which is um, Matthew, oops, narrates his usage of the computer. Yeah. Um, so, there it, it's not telling me what it means. Umojasasa is definitely a phrase, and there's lots of pictures of it with stylized maps of Africa. And... Uh, Stuff like that. Here's the Emojasasa Christian Ministry. Um, well, we'll have to come back to what Emojasasa means, but um, it's definitely a word, a, a phrase that means something like Black Pride or something like that. Um, and uh, that, that's all I got on sentence two. So maybe... Um, It's time for sentence three. You want to read it? I do want to read it. Do it. In those days, it was enough to save a man that he was connected with the Burlington.
Hmm. Could you tell which part of that sentence was in quotation marks? Um, I would guess connected with the Burlington. <laughs> yes, that's that's voice work. That's professional voice work right there. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that sounds like. Like maybe the the narrator of the old sixties Batman. Um, <laughs> I don't know whose voice we're doing. <laughs> Tune in next week. Same bad time. Same, same bad, bad channel. Maybe I mean, everything he was reading was in quotes. Every every uh, opportunity to be associated with that old Batman should be seized. That was mm. a fine program. All uh, right. So, w- yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I agree. I uh, the the Riddler's son works in our town. Really? He has a store. Is yes. he one of the commissioners? Uh, no, he uh, owns a store called Gorshin's Trading Post. That's pretty excellent. Because uh, he's Frank, Frank Gorshin's, Gorshin's son, son. Yeah, and, and is named Gorshin because that <laughs> is how <laughs> that's how it would go. Do you have to solve um, riddles to uh, purchase things in the store? Now, you might not know this because you only know Frank Gorshin from the Batman show. He is not actually the Riddler. He was an actor. Oh! Playing <laughs> oh, I the Riddler. See. That would explain it, things, a, because I think I've seen him in other uh, sort of entertainment programs, and I was a little confused why the Riddler was in disguise. Well, he was on a Star Trek episode. I think as, uh, as something, you know, maybe uh, outer spacey. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Frank Gorshin was black on one side and white on the other. Really? In the uh, in that very subtle commentary on racism. The, well, Star Trek is known for its subtle commentary, particularly the original Star Trek. Well, that, that's what I mean when I say um, Star Trek. I know. I, I assume we're talking about Captain Kirk. But I mean, and some of our many listeners might not, not have known that. Um, if they don't, then they should. They should. The um, but yes, Frank Gorshin really hated some other guy because he was white on the left and black on the right, or vice versa. So, and you mean uh, like literally? There's a line down the middle of Frank Gorshin, and one side was a different color than the other side. Yes, yes, that 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 was. Both sides of the face were Frank Gorshin. (laughs) (laughs) But one was covered by black makeup, and the other was covered by white makeup. Mm. This reminds me a lot of the the Dr. Seuss story where some of the characters... um, Oh, the star... Some of the the Sneetches have uh, star bellies, and some have no bellies on theirs. Oh, no stars on theirs, rather. Now, the star-bellied sneeches had bellies with stars. The non-bellied sneeches had none upon theirs. You would think such a thing wouldn't matter at all, but uh, then uh, Sylvester McClunk and McBean shows up, and he's mm. got the star-off machine. Mm. And from then, it's all, uh, it's all wacky mayhem. Wow. Although it, it troubled me that, you know, at the end of the story, you got like a star-bellied guy and a non-star-bellied guy shaking hands like they're all friends. But they were probably both the same before. What makes you, know, you think they were the same before? Like, they, I mean, they were probably, they probably both had stars or both didn't have stars. Yeah, I understood. They, I'm just saying they, what makes you think that's true? Uh, I, I could tell. I see. <laughs> Yes, you see, I, I don't. I don't see star. I, uh, <laughs> I see the individual. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. So, I like that sentence three is, even though it's a lot shorter, mm-hmm. is actually a complete sentence. I knew. Uh, I, I suspected that you would appreciate that. 
Well, as opposed frankly, to, I think yeah. that it it has less to say. I mean, or or its its meaning is less clear to me than than non sentence uh, two there. I mean, mm-hmm. sentence two, despite its not being a complete sentence, you know, was pretty clear. It was telling me that um, the well knownness of this place is in fact limited to a subset of the total potential people. Whereas, I don't know, it says, sentence three is, it was enough to say of a man that he was connected with the Burlington. What does that mean? Enough, enough to do what? Um, it was enough. Um, I guess. Is that where you're going? Ma- ma- <laughs> maybe to, to, sit, to become part of the railroad aristocracy. Like, maybe the, if you were not, if you were connected with the railroad, you were aristocracy. Connected with Burlington. Yeah, connected with the Burlington. So who are the people who are not aristocracy? So now, yeah, I'm a little confused now, because going back to sentence two, men who had to do with the railroad itself or with the land company, those are all Mm -hmm. aristocracy. And we also said that this is a freight line, right? Not a passenger line. So who are right. the people who are being excluded from this designation? Um, the guys who ran the taco truck next to the train station. They were associated with the railroad company, but they were not aristocracy. I see. They just, they just sold the tacos. Like the guys who delivered the coal, maybe, or something. Right. May. I mean, it, sentence to itself, which you were so happy with back in the, the halcyon days of sentence two, uh-huh. um, I feel like was very confusing in, uh, like, I, I thought maybe it would clear it up later on, but is it just the aristocracy of the railroad that knew about the house, or was everyone involved with the railroad or the land companies railroad aristocracy? Well, I mean, and, I guess that's the impression I'm getting. Right. So, I mean, is, it, is the railroad aristocracy compared to the railroad proletariat, or is the railroad aristocracy compared to the non-railroad proletariat? Mm, mm. Well, I think, you know, it seems like we might get more answers to this in future sentences, but uh, given just the knowledge that we have now, I'm going to say that it was Everybody associated with the railroad or the land companies is is on a higher plane than everybody else. Uh, okay, I mean maybe the people involved in the railroads are aristocracy, mm-hmm. and the people involved in the land companies are <laughs> aristocracy. <laughs> wow! So much, um, so many possibilities. Um, await us as we make further progress uh, in our book. Yeah. Um, I'm not very um, impressed with the preciseness of her sentences. Mm. It was a lot of, it was enough, um, that is to say, mm. uh, one of those. It seems very uh, loosey-goosey, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I mean, you might also say that it's, uh, it's colloquial. She's, um, oh man, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, she's, she's speaking in the patois of the time, you know? Mm. She, so she's going for a more conversational narration. Yeah, that's, that's fine. But I like to know what's going on. Mm. Um. And sometimes I feel like I, uh, I mean, I'm only three sentences in, but already I'm a little bit confused. Hmm. Wow. You know? If well, this keeps talking, up, I don't even know. We've been talking for an, uh, an hour, so I, I don't think we should read any further uh, in the book in today's episode. So I think well, we're I mean, just we just have to, yeah. be, We got twice as far as last that's time. That's true. Well, I mean, there is the contested... Um, nature of the second sentence so i'm not sure Mm -hmm. if that should count for a whole hundred percent all right so uh are are we wrapping it up well if we could get just a a last check in on the jalapeno poppers oh oh oh, oh. let's 
let's let's come on back in. Let's see where we are. And the kitchen looks pretty clean. Uh, there are there is no chef in the kitchen at the time. The jalapeno poppers are in the oven at 325 degrees. Um, the timer is counting down. It's less than a minute until something goes beep, and then either they're done or the chef will have come up with something else. I mean, we can, uh, I, I can go find the chef here and we can, so there's less than a minute on the timer. I and think you our, should just uh, wait our, there. What's that? You our, should just wait. Our listen, hold on. I'm going to, we're going back to speaker. Um, speaker. Um, if there's less than a minute left on the timer, I feel that you should, you should wait there in the kitchen so you can witness what happens when the timer goes off. So what's going to happen when the timer goes off? I'm going to take them out. And then, and then will there be a completed jalapeno popper? Yes, but they're going to be hot, so um, we should probably wait a little bit. Oh, my God. This is ten, less than 10 seconds. Five, four, three. Three, two, one. That, that, it, okay, we're... Oh, oh wow. That looks um, like something in there. <laughs> I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but it looks like that. All right. Well, uh, on the agenda that, for next episode, on the agenda for next episode is a report about uh, you know a taste test of the jalapeno poppers. Oh, so I, I have a question. Like the, our our uh, podcast, is there a uh, like a a page or something? Like, can somebody you know send us comments? If I had took a picture of the jalapeno poppers, could we put them somewhere? Uh, I think in theory we do. I haven't really explored that very much. Hmm. All right, because, you know, the, there could be a visual component to this because I'm looking at the poppers and they look like jalapenos covered and stuff. Well, uh, please definitely take a picture and um, maybe that will be incentive for me to explore um, our webpage options. All right. Sounds great. I think like an Instagram or something. An Instagram? What, what do you think we are, 12? Everyone has an Instagram. Oh, make a Facebook page. You guys are... Only 12-year-olds know how to do it, is what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, thank you uh, to my co-host and to our guest. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, I guess All we'll right. uh, see you next episode. Sounds great. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.